Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone, back in the studio. That's right. So if we sound a little different, if you're watching on Zone TV, we look a little different, that is because we are hanging out. We, we were on TV before, though, right? In the studio. I, I, yeah, they put us in on there, but we weren't, you know, on these fancy cameras. Yeah, we were yeah. just uh, on Zoom. The person who really is happy about that is Lucas, because they, they gave him an extra job duty, right, Lucas? Yes. No, this is great. I'm, I'm just happy to see you guys, though. <laughs> oh, you don't believe me? Well, no, a really long pause there. I, no, I, was just, I, was oh, just no. I, I thought you were going to follow that up with something, but you, you didn't. <laughs> Since we are, you know, kind of closing out the ding dong. So. <laughs> well, we do our ding dong in the week. In Printer's Alley and everything, yes. Yeah, yeah. I was at the, the place in Printer's Alley uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Dirty Little Secret. Dirty Little Secret. Yeah, that's the name of that. that is really that, great name, isn't it? That is the nightclub that Buck, that I was supposed to meet Buck at on his birthday weekend, the night one of his buddies got robbed at gunpoint. They had to cancel the whole thing. So what? we were going to be there. Got, wait, 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 wait where did he get robbed at gunpoint? I uh, didn't know nothing about this story. A couple weeks ago in Germantown, oh. yeah, Buck was talking about it on his show. It was on his birthday weekend. They had gone out to dinner. My girlfriend Megan and I were out at the Sounds game. We were going to meet them at Dirty Little Secret, the nightclub. And Buck called me like at 11. We were leaving the game saying, hey, man, our buddy just got robbed at gunpoint in the parking lot. We're here waiting for the cops. So we're going to cancel our table at Dirty Little Secret. Yeah, everything, everybody was fine. They, they took like a, I think the most valuable thing they took was like the actual wallet because he didn't have any cash in so it whatsoever. So he was held at gunpoint? Or? Yeah, as he was trying to, he was getting going to pull his car around to pick up his pregnant wife. And they were all going to head to the nightclub. And, well, I don't know if she was going to go to the nightclub, but they were all out at dinner. And he said he felt something in the back of his head as he was at the car door. Everybody oh. was okay. It all worked out. I don't know if they caught the guy, but that, not a lot. The, the risk-reward there is not great, right? To, I mean, no. who carries that much cash around anymore? you just not risking well, years in prison to get a wallet? Yeah. Get credit cards, I guess. But, yeah, that's a scary feeling, man. I've, I've been there, done that. So, yeah, I thought I was all cool and, you know, I, I escaped. Uh, Life or death, and then, uh, man, I had the, the shakes for a couple of days. Just realizing, man, I could not be here hanging out with uh, Lucas and Mickey. Uh, <laughs> man, that's crazy. But, yeah, Dirty Little Secrets is a hot little spot now. Been there a couple of times. I, was, uh, I think my first time there uh, was for a birthday party. Then I had the NFL draft. Uh, we met some guys down there. Uh, that's, that's when Irvin and those guys were in town. Okay. Yeah, so that's a, that's a little quiet little spot. And they, and they have a guitar playing around the bend on the other side, so they're kind of connected. Yeah, so it was it was kind of cool. We got a little bit of both. Well, I'm sure their phone's blowing up right now. People learning all about dirty little secret. It was such a secret I didn't know about it. Yeah, well, where's the printer's out there? It's right there. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good time though. Yeah, this this about a couple weeks ago. Uh, big weekend for the Titans. So all this happened. Caleb Farley off the team's non-football injury list. So he's out there practicing. Wait, yeah, I saw him. Well, I saw him via Twitter. Right. That's the only way we're getting information. And he looked, uh, you know, like he had uh, been out there, you know, practicing. So he looked good in individuals. Uh, I, I think people were talking about he looked solid and aggressive in one-on-ones. And I don't know if he did any 707 or team. But uh, definitely uh Exciting step uh, to move forward uh, with uh, the first rounder. And he was wearing number three, as I understand it. And I'm looking at the videos. It was number three, and I thought he was number 23. My old number, which I was elated. I said, man, somebody finally is going to probably take the ram of being the best you know, player at number 23. And then he changed to three. So I was like, oh, man, they got, you know, I should give him a thank you when I first, uh, the first time I meet him. 
But I don't know if that's going to be his number or is that just his practice number. Usually you practicing the number that you are. Uh, so he must have changed up real quick. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, I did notice that, too. It was the first thing I noticed was him wearing a different number than we had originally seen him in. Uh, but obviously good news. Now, I don't think Titans fans need to expect that he just goes 110% from here on out. He'll get eased in like they do. But uh, there were concerns about his neck. You know, there were concerns. We're literally, we started the show talking about, or his um, back, right? His back. Sorry, spine. yes, his back, mm-hmm. spine, I'm, which I'm, is connected to the neck. It's all connected. <laughs> I've been seeing a chiropractor. It's all kind of running together for me. Um, but uh, we just saw the Mets draft and not sign Kamar Rocker because they think there's a problem with his arm. Mm. They didn't sign him, and so then you got a first round draft pick. And there were when he got drafted, there were people say, "Gosh, this is one of those things. He's the most talented guy." But some teams he wasn't even on their draft board or whatever. So this is a huge step. It was his second back surgery. Yeah. So this is a huge step for him to be out there because that tells you, I mean, Blaine, 10 years in the league for you, if a guy's had surgery, they're going to, especially nowadays, rookie first-round draft pick, they're probably going to do everything they can to make sure they feel like he's as 100% as he can be before he would ever do those type of things, right? I mean, no doubt. I think this is a great sign of – what to expect uh, that he'll be ready to go come, you know, probably even in the preseason as well as the regular season, long as he doesn't have any setbacks. I'm sure they're going to monitor him. He may have some days off just to make sure everything, he feels, you know, some tightness or whatever. So uh, with his back, but, you know, I, I get the concerns, you know, I have two back surgeries in college and a lot of people, you talk to a lot of doctors, they said he should have done, you know, just one surgery in the beginning and because this was there in the, in the, you know, the first time he had surgery. It wasn't like it was a new injury. It just got inflamed. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So he 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 moved around really good. I mean, when you see, you know, his size, a guy that size, you know, 6'1", 6'2", guy, maybe even taller than that, and uh, move around like he's a 5'10", guy, that's when you know you're something special. So, yeah, yeah. So you have Horn and Sertan was drafted, and they're saying that he would be better than him if he had the, the back surgery. So lucky for the Titans, uh, he's – out there practicing today, the and if he stays healthy, man, he's going to be a guy to be reckoned with, no question about it. You talk a lot about just how special people who are first-round draft picks are. And with, especially their talent. Yes. Their talent. It, uh-huh. If you're a first-round draft pick cornerback in this league, you got to have some – I mean, you, you're a ridiculous athlete. You have ridiculous talent because that's just – Football's not even made for you to be competitive anymore. It's made for the other guy to score. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, you know that. It's made for offense no to doubt. score points. No and this guy still stood out. Missed a year. Second back surgery. Still has so much talent that John Robinson was like, still taking that guy. Yeah, because, well, you know, the risk is I, I thought was worth it in that if it didn't work out, you know, you at least got him for four years, four or five years, and he, hopefully you got something out of him. Uh, and he could last and be durable enough. And if it didn't work out, maybe you got three years out of him. Uh, we take the risk, roll the dice. We needed a corner. We got him at good value. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, still a first round. If it works out, we got him for for great value. Uh, you know, if he turns out really good. So, and they need the secondary help. Uh, so yeah, man. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a him and mold, and I, I really like those guys uh, because of their aggressive nature, as well as they're technically sound and they're really smart football players. You watch them; they they understand how offenses are trying to attack them, and they they play fast. Uh, and that's hard to come by when you're a young player. You watch them on tape from college; they that's what stood out to me more so than just their talent. 
so that's a, that's a leg up on a lot of young players. I know we brought this up just real briefly at the end of the last hour. Carson Wentz, the big news out of Indy today, and literally this morning they were saying he was going to try to wait it out. That he had he felt some kind of pop or something uncomfortable in his foot. And the news this morning was no surgery. He was going to try to wait it out. And this be- morning, that's what this they said. This morning. Yeah. And before lunchtime, it changed to he is having a surgery today. Uh, the return window for him is 5 to 12 weeks. Five that's a, that's a big gap. Mike Rabel even laughed out loud when they asked him about it today. Oh, <laughs> The Colts have four other – the Colts and Titans play week three. Yeah, early. Yeah. And then the second one is week eight, which, I mean, you get into 12 weeks and who knows. And it's a mobile guy with a foot problem. Uh, they have four other quarterbacks on the roster. They got Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger, Brett Hundley, and Jalen Morton. And, again, the Titans and the Colts play week three. Uh, but this went from breakfast to lunch of no surgery to – this is literally today, Monday, he's having surgery. It yeah. went from no surgery to go on down there and get under and get it done. Yeah, and that's why I want to know what was the actual injury. I really do. Nobody has said so. I, I was speculating that it was a Liz Frank injury because that's what some people were saying. I don't know if that was true or not. And I had had a Liz Frank injury. So I'll tell you about my experience with the Liz Frank injury my last year with the Titans, which I eventually went on IR uh, and only played four games. Only time I was ever on IR. Ooh. So I could tell you all about a foot injury uh, somewhat Similar, to, I'm thinking, as Carson Wentz. And this is one of those deals, when you tell, and we need to take a break, when you tell people about it, they're going to cringe because the Liz Frank thing, what happens to your foot? <laughs> and it's named after it's named after a general who was rode a horse and what the stirrup did yeah. to the middle of his foot. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a, that's a no, no thank you for me. Well, just hearing the description of what he said, he thought he just tweaked his foot. Yep. That's exactly what I thought. I just stepped on somebody else's foot. Oh, and the Rams in preseason. Uh, one of uh might have been Isaac Bruce or Tory Holt. I think it was Tory Holt. Mm-hmm. I thought it was nothing. Oh gosh. Well, we can share a little bit of that when we come back, or we'll certainly do it before the end of the show when we come back. Mike Herndon uh, from Broadway Sports set to join us. Lots of Titans topics to get to. We'll get to all of them next on Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. We're hard to handle. Appreciate all the uh, people weighing in on Zone TV today. Matt Snyder said, long ding dong and did the dead symbol. Austin said, I'm trying to deliver the mail here, guys. Stop. I told all the people who are lamenting the death of college football as they know it that it's been dead forever, so stop that. And I said, go to a game at Swanee. And Matt said, Swanee's actually a great place to watch a game, original SEC. I'm not putting down Swanee. I'm just saying. You were saying Division two, Right. If it's too big time for you now, then drop down a level or two and just be a love of the game type guy. Yeah, I've been to their game, too. They got a nice nice field, too. Well, I got to haul my hiney up there and check it out. Mike Herndon joins us now from Broadway Sports. Mike, ever see a game at Swanee? If not, maybe we should just go together. I haven't, but yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful campus up there. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take you up on that, Mickey. All right. All right. Well, we'll just get in on uh, planning this and now that we can go places again. So we'll uh, right. we'll go up there and we'll check it out. Before Mike goes, though, okay. I, we have to okay. ask him before Mickey, before you start. We have to have you give us something that happened this weekend or past week that you feel like, man, that was egregious. That's horrible. And be part of our ding dong of the week. You okay. must tell us, <laughs> uh, Mike. Uh, who was your ding dong or what was your ding dong? So, 
<laughs> Actually, I had one queued up for this. Uh, the uh, there was a guy on Twitter, Blair TV. I guess he's uh, some sort of TV guy in Indy. Uh, and uh, you know, when the Wentz news came out, he went on to Twitter and was complaining about the Colts' quarterback luck. And uh, yeah, Ooh. come on, man, you, you've had. Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck for about 22 of the past 25 years. You really can't complain about quarterback luck if you're an Indianapolis mm. Colts fan. I mean, let's let's get real. Like, look at what the Titans have gone through for the last two decades. Look at what any other franchise besides like the Packers and the Patriots basically uh, are the other two that have had stability there. But that's that's my ding dong is uh, any Colts fan who's whining about their quarterbacks <laughs> no, luck no. over the years. Yeah. Be like somebody from Boston saying, you know, we haven't even had one championship parade this year. Come on, man. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. This year. Sorry. I was watching Goodwill Hunting the other night. I'm trying to perfect my accent there. So uh we've all been scratching our head about the kicker thing. And Blaine brought this up three months ago, like, boy, I spent a lot of money on defense, drafted this. I mean, they got all these guys. Who's the kicker gonna be? Just like just asking the question, like, okay, who's the kicker gonna be? Like, where are we with that? Well, then we find out it's two guys who've never kicked. Well, one of those cats is already gone, and they uh, they have. And then, then Mickey suggested that they hire. Then James I suggested Wilhoyt. they hire James Wilhoyt. Seriously, <laughs> I don't know if he was already there or not on that, Thursday. But, and then Friday, Vrabel goes, "We've hired James Wilhoyt." So we took a nice victory lap for that, Mike, uh, because we literally suggested even by name James Wilhoyt. You did, Mickey. and then found out that he'd been hired the next day. But uh, I'm just going to ask you, Sam Ficken has been claimed off waivers. People have been having some fun with his name. Um, <laughs> does this make you feel better about anything, or do the Titans still not have their kicker on the roster? Yeah, it makes me feel marginally better because at least they now have a kicker on the roster who hasn't attempted an NFL field goal before. So that is a step in the right direction. Um, you know, I think kickers are so finicky, and it, and it really comes down to confidence and if a guy can kind of get in a groove um that it's hard to predict whether like you know Ficken could turn out to be okay I mean he he kicked pretty well for the Jets last year so um maybe he's he's all right uh you know McCann still has the big leg and and you know they obviously had seen something in him that made them want to keep him around for a while but I still think it's kind of one of those deals where like they're on the budget plan right now and and if they would love for one of these guys to just you know get in a groove and be able to get them by at, you know, a, a cheap rate for the next few years. Um, but they still have Goskowski kind of on, uh, on speed dial there in Franklin and say, you know, Hey, if we're getting a week or two out from the season and it's still not looking very good, then we're just going to call him and, and bring him back in and, you know, pay him the the 3 million bucks or whatever he wants uh, to come in and kick for us. And, and I think that's kind of their fallback plan, but obviously they'd love to save the $3 million and go with one of these cheaper guys. I think that Vrabel is so funny, but, Maybe the funniest thing he's ever – I do. I legitimately think he's funny. Maybe the funniest thing he's ever said was acting like he didn't know anything about Goskowski's whereabouts. When that, <laughs> when that came up, he's like, I don't know. I think he lives around here somewhere. Dude, your wife took him a cake when they moved here. Like, y'all are friends. <laughs> You're friends. You know where he lives. You've probably gone over there and, like, smoked a cigar on his porch. That's the greatest thing Mike Rabel has ever said. Was just like, I don't know. I mean, I think he still lives around. Come on, man. <laughs> we say I think he lives a- around the corner somewhere. Yes, <laughs> you sent him an edible arrangement when you signed him last year. What are we doing here? Yeah, he was over at his house drinking scotch like three hours before that, you know, so. No doubt. Mike Hernan joins us to talk in all things Titans. You can find him on Twitter as at Mike Miracles with Broadway Sports and F-Words Pod. 
Well, Mike, I hadn't talked to you about this before, but I don't know if you've watched some of the other players, some guys that are actually asking to get traded. Uh, if you don't know, that's cool, too. But I guess give us what you think of Xavier Howard and, and, uh, and maybe the Titans get him. They don't. Probably not. We saw Caleb Farley uh, practice as well as Chandler Jones. What do you get from uh, players like this? And, and how could you think if possibly they could help the Titans? Uh, what you know role would they have? Yeah, I think both of those guys would be a huge help. I mean, Jones had a little bit of a down year last year, but, you know, he's only a year and a half removed from, what, a 19-sack season. Mm -hmm. So, um, obviously, a tremendous pass rusher. Putting him across from Bud Dupree would suddenly give you something that looks pretty formidable. And and then, you know, you rotate in Harold Landry, and he's kind of your fastball coming off the bench. Um, So, you know, he would certainly help. Xavier Howard, same thing. He would – he's – you know, nine interceptions last year, maybe, maybe it was 10. I can't even remember. It was, uh, it was a lot. Um, but he, uh, is a fantastic football player. Mm-hmm. Um, the question I think really is, are, are they going to give up more draft capital and are they willing to pay the contracts that these guys want? Cause I think part of the problem with both of these guys, I know it is with Howard, uh, they want to be paid more and Howard just got a new deal. I think at a 15, $16 million a year, but then the, Dolphins turned around and signed uh, Byron Jones and gave him more money. Uh, and, you know, guys in the locker room noticed that. And then Xavier Howard goes out and puts up a, a, you know, all pro type season. And he's like, I'm not even the highest paid corner on my team. What's this all about? So, you know, you're going to have to pay both those guys if you did trade for them. And, you know, the Titans already kind of, you know, took out a little bit of a second mortgage to get the Julio deal done. So I, I think you'd be really stretching that, uh, that salary cap pretty thin if you were to bring in either of these guys, because they're, they're going to be up where, you know, close of 20 million uh, a year in salary. So I, I think the the salary cap, probably more so even than the draft capital is probably going to keep the Titans from being able to being able to make those moves realistically. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, with Mike Herndon uh, with uh, Mike miracles at Mike miracles, I guess so we can calm the fan base down with, with Tannehill and all these interceptions. I don't know if you've been out there at practice. I haven't been out there. I'm going out there tomorrow is uh, what do you take from, I guess, Tannehill uh, having some picks early in camp? Do you look at it as the defense is better? Uh, maybe it was, you know, starting receivers not out there. He wasn't throwing to. I mean, how do you view Tannehill at this time? Do you trust him enough to say, I ah, just had some, you know, a couple bad days and we'll move on and forget all about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of not worried about it. I, I have been out there a couple days. So uh, the two days that I was out there, he threw a pick both of those days. Oh, the, you're the, bad luck. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe um, the, the first day it was a it was a nice play by Monty Hooker. Uh, I thought he kind of read and jumped a sticker out uh, in, in slot there and, uh, you know, jumped in front of it and picked it off. Uh, the, the second pick that I see that I've seen him throw was uh, it looked like a miscommunication with Cam Bats and he, he yeah. kept kind of going downfield uh, Tannehill threw it like he was expecting him to stop and hooker again uh, was right there to, to kind of swoop in and take it away. So um, one miscommunication, one that I think the, the safety hooker just kind of got a beat on early. Uh, maybe he stared it down a little bit too long, but that, that one I think was an attempt for Chester Rogers. So again, not guys that you would probably expect to see a ton of snaps uh, in the regular season at receiver. Um, And, you know, Tannehill's what he's done over the last two years in the regular season carries so much more weight to me than, than anything that he does in practice that it would have to really get ugly out there. Like uh, 
you know, what was it? Tua had like six interceptions in one practice uh, during OTAs or something yeah. like that. If, if he starts having days like that, then maybe we start to start to, you know, sound some alarm bells. But I think right now it's just normal, you know, training camp stuff. He's trying to trying to fit balls in and, and test things out with some new receivers. Well, Mike, uh, I guess sticking uh, with the, the quarterbacks, how is uh, Kaiser and, and Woodside look? You know, I think Woodside to me has a, a pretty big leg up on the mm. backup quarterback competition right now. I think he's just more decisive. He's more accurate. Uh, you know, obviously he doesn't have the bigger arm. He doesn't have the the skill set that Kaiser does. But Kaiser is just to me, it's been you know he's holding on to the ball for way too long, and, and it's mm. it's just indecisiveness. And then that gets him in trouble because then he's throwing late, and and you know it's just kind of a a mad scramble at that point. He's throwing a few picks um, because of that. So. To me, you know, Woodside looks like the guy that's been in the offense for longer, which he has, so it's not necessarily surprising. Um, and, you know, we'll see if Kaiser comes on. I, I still think, you know, look, Kaiser, he was drafted in the second round for a reason and, and in the top of the second round for a reason. The guy looks like the, an NFL quarterback. When he throws the ball, uh, he's got the velocity. He's got the same arm Tannehill has, basically. So he looks like a guy that could be a starter. And he's just got to put it together from an accuracy and, and kind of knowing where to go with a football standpoint. So we'll see if he progresses through camp. And uh, I am excited to see both those guys work in preseason. I think that'll kind of give us a good glimpse into where they're at in their development. And lastly, before I throw it to uh, Mickey, I, I think you did, uh, I guess, or, or someone uh, about, uh, you know, surprise cuts for veterans, you know, somebody who possibly could be on the chopping block, kind of, you know, surprise uh some of us uh, fans from afar, who do you think those uh, guys may be or possibly could be? You know, I, I think one spot to kind of watch is tight end, especially now that they went and signed Luke Stocker uh, over the weekend. You know, they've got uh, – Ferkser is obviously going to be kind of the main pass catcher out of that group. But, but then they've got three guys that, to me, are almost identical players. Jeff Swaim, Luke Stocker, and Tommy Hudson. Uh, and all three of those guys are kind of your 6'5", 260-ish tight ends you're you know more typical inline blocker types uh they're not going to be really dynamic as pass catchers but i don't know why you would keep all three of those and and frankly the way the tight end room is set up you know you've got all these guys kind of on one-year contracts besides hudson uh and i think they would like hudson to step up and take one of these uh kind of roles so that they can develop them and have some some stability uh into the next few years at that tight end spot so I wouldn't be surprised to see either Stalker or Swaim get cut, um, which, you know, I, not a shocker by any means, but maybe a little bit of a mild surprise there. Mm. Oh, with uh, Mike Herndon uh, with at Mike Miracles and Broadway Sports. So, Mike, is this offensive line being slept on in some way? Because it kind of feels like it. And when you look at the team, if you're if you're here every day covering the team, they really feel like a strength. But I don't know if a lot of other outside entities are seeing that. Yeah, and, you know, PFF ranked them, I think, 15th earlier this week. Um, and then last week, I, I think it may have been Bleacher Report, had uh, a r offensive line ranking, and they had them down in the 20s, um, which I thought was kind of absurd. Um, I, I think they are being slept on. You know, this group produced a 2,000-yard rusher last season. And, you know, while Derrick Henry is, is the closest thing to Superman that the NFL has, um, he didn't do it by himself. And, and, you know, the three guys in the middle both had, or all three of them had uh, fantastic seasons in Roger Saffold, Ben Jones, and Nate Davis, who's really come, come on the last couple of years. Um, all three of those guys re received uh, first team all pro votes. And then you've got Taylor Lewan coming back off injury. Um, he's, you know, already healthy. He's out there. He's practicing. 
Um, you know, I think those four are as solid a group as you'll find in the NFL from left tackle to right guard. And obviously the question remains right tackle, but you know, it, when you have Lawan on the opposite side, there's a lot of stuff that you can do to help that right tackle, especially in pass protection. So out of Kendall Lamb, uh, Dylan Radens, and Tyson Brelo, you just have to find a guy that is going to be adequate, you know, that, that can give you something in the run game maybe and, and not be a total mess uh, in pass protection because you, you're going to be able to help him with the tight end. You're going to be able to chip to his side. You're going to be able to, to slide protection towards him uh, because you can trust Lawan on the other end to, to lock up one-on-one most weeks. So I, I think the Titans offensive line is absolutely being slept on. And, and, you know, this group's really good. I think Roger Saffold, frankly, is one of the most underrated players in the entire NFL. What, what he does for them in that run game uh, it cannot be overstated. And if you listen to Sean McVay and Arthur Smith on uh, the ringer podcast um, a couple weeks ago, they went off on a tangent about how good Roger Saffold was mm-hmm. and how bad McVay missed him uh, since he's been gone from LA. So yeah, that dude is is a major, major player, and I don't know that he gets the respect that he deserves nationally. Mike Herndon, our guest on Blaine and Mickey. I think the thing that got us sort of talking about, we got to get Mike on, and, and it was this tweet. You had laid out how you think the wide receiver room is going to look uh, eventually when the team roster is, is finished being constructed. Uh, we'd love for you to share your thoughts on that with the public just because I think people know Julio, and they know A.J., and they know Josh, who has been out uh, yeah. missing some time. But it feels like there's you, you got a draft pick, then you got a bunch of veterans, and then just a bunch of guys vying for those other spots. Yeah, it's, it's an, a really interesting group to me because I think you've got at least nine guys on the roster right now who I wouldn't bat an eye at, at having given a roster spot to. I mean, I think those are nine guys that are NFL-quality receivers, and that's a problem that the Titans have not had uh, at that position group specifically in a long time. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, obviously AJ Julio Reynolds, those guys are going to be on the team. Um, Des Fitzpatrick, I think is going to make the roster. He's been good enough. You know, he hasn't been necessarily wowing anyone in camp, but he's been good enough. And and they invested a, a pretty high draft pick in him with a, an early fourth rounder that they gave up some, some serious draft capital to go get. Um, so I think he makes it. So I think you've got those four. And then I think the battle kind of comes down to two spots and you've got one spot that's going to be a guy that contributes a lot on special teams and in, in a gunner kind of role. And I think it's Bracey McMath versus Nick Westbrook Aquina and, and Westbrook had a fantastic year last year on special teams. I thought he was really good. He was a bright spot for them in that unit. Um, but McMath comes in with the pedigree of having done that at a really high level at LSU. And then you know, he's also McMath has made some major plays at camp already. So I think he's a guy to kind of keep an eye on, you know, six, three, two twenty, ran a four, three, nine, two. I mean, this guy is a major, major athlete and has some upside as a receiver. Um, so I think Nick Westbrook is going to have his, uh, work cut out for him to hold on to a roster spot, but I think it's a battle between those two guys. And then I think the other spot goes to, you got to find your punt returner, right? Because your running backs don't really have a punt returner on it. Darrington Evans does kick returns, but, you know, has never been a punt returner. Now, I do think they've given him some looks here in the last couple of days catching punts. So we'll see if that changes. But as of right now, the guys that they're focused on in the punt return spot are Chester Rogers, Mason Kinsey, and Cam Batson. And, And so I think one of those three then has to make the roster, in my opinion, unless Evans does come out of nowhere and kind of take that job. So, you know, I think it's a battle between Rodgers, Kinsey, and Batson for a spot. And right now, 
based on what I've seen out there, I think Rogers is actually the guy that I would handicap is, is kind of the favorite uh, to win that, that roster spot and, and to be the punt returner and also, you know, work in the slot a little bit. And he's a guy that, you know, has a 400 yard season with Indianapolis a couple yeah, a couple years ago. Yeah, so I like him. He is not a, a total, uh, you know, non-factor in this. And, and he's a guy that's been a little under the radar, I think. No doubt. Mike Hearn, a never under the radar, joins uh, Blaine and me here on Blaine and Mickey. Man, since you've been out there, I guess, give us a little 411. I know it's hard to tell. They haven't been in pads yet, uh, and they will be in there tomorrow with pads. But uh, how about uh, Weaver? How's he looked, as well as the free agent signing of Autry is, you know, uh, at the defensive line? Do they look like they, you know, like they can uh, do some damage there on defense? And maybe that's why, you know, Tannehill's kind of throwing some interception pressure. Yeah, you know, both of those guys, the first thing that jumps out to you is their length. I mean, they are tremendously long players. They look different than a lot of the other guys at their position groups that are out there. Um, I, I thought Weaver, you know, the, the question that I kind of had with him was whether he'd be able to move well enough to really play in that outside linebacker role that the Titans have. And, and to me, just watching him kind of moving around out there, he looks like a more natural athlete than maybe what I thought he might be uh, from watching him at Pittsburgh, obviously he played really as a true four, three defensive end at Pittsburgh. Uh, and so he's a, li- a little bit of a transition, a little bit of projection there, but yeah, he moves around. Well, um, you know, it's hard really to see. I, I haven't seen him flash a ton as far as getting pressures yet. Um, Autry, I've seen a little bit more, uh, in the backfield, but I really think along that defensive front with, with Autry, uh, you've got some versatility there because they're going to line him out wide a little bit, I think. And they're going to also, you know, have him in, down as a, a five tech uh, in their base fronts too. So I think he's he's going to be kind of a guy that pops up all over the defense and gives them the flexibility to have a lot of different looks. So I think both those guys are going to be very valuable uh, to the defense and kind of a, a ability to get different looking bodies and different looking players on the field in different spots well uh mike since you've been at practice i guess real quick i guess talk about some players we didn't ask you about that you thought kind of stood out at least as the, the days that you were out there and i so two guys for me amani hooker who you know obviously stepping up into a starting role for the first time in his career has looked fantastic i already talked about he had you know two of the interceptions against Tannehill. Um, he's just around the ball constantly. He looks like he's moving really well. He looks like he's comfortable in the defense. He's anticipating he's being in the right spot at the right time. Um, I think he's been fantastic so far, and I have a lot of confidence uh, mm-hmm. just from what I've seen already uh, that he's going to be able to step in and, and maybe even be an upgrade over what they had in Kenny Vaccaro last year. And I, I was a big fan of Vaccaro as well. Um, but then the other guy to me that jumped out early was Tier Tart. Um, and Tart was absolutely wrecking shop the first day that I was out there in the backfield. Multiple uh, plays in the backfield, in the run game, on back-to-back snaps and stuff like that. I mean, he, he was uh, uh, making his presence felt uh, in the, you know a group that had Jeffrey Simmons and Nico Autry also out there. So um, I think Tart's a guy that they need to kind of step forward and, and run with that nose tackle position and, and be able to give them something off the bench behind those top two on the defensive front. And uh, so far, early early returns would say that he's well on track to be able to do that. Oh, sweet. Yeah, Mike, great. Uh, a lot of great information. Thank you, man. People can follow you and they need to at Mike Miracles, of course, Broadway, Tennessee, Broadway Sports, Tennessee, and uh, F Words Pod. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. We'll do it again soon. Thank you, Mike. Absolutely. See you at Sewanee.
Oh, yeah, I did, no <laughs> doubt. we got a road trip planned. We're going, hey, they have hey. turf. They have turf, man. Yeah, we're going to live it. Live the dream of college football. Go back in time up at uh, Swanee. Beautiful campus. Beautiful finishing segment for us coming up, including Mike Rabel weighed in. He got asked about quarterback making mistakes, and uh, he had something to say, even about uh, the length of time that the Colts quarterback could be out. His reaction to that is priceless. You will want to hear it. All right, it's like the pitcher's mound in Bull Durham. We're dealing with a lot of stuff here. So people asking Mike Vrabel today about his quarterback with six interceptions documented so far through training camp. He weighed in on that. Here's Mike Vrabel from earlier today. You know, I guess it's it's a good thing and a bad thing. You know, you got to make sure that, you know, some of these are, are really good plays and some of them are, you know, bad decisions. And, and again, I, you can live with the, the really good play, but the bad decisions we have to um, – you know, we have to eliminate those. So it's a fine line. Good plays versus bad decisions. So good play by the defense, bad decision by the quarterback. And that's interesting because sometimes a guy just makes a play on you. They're all in the NFL. They're all in the same camp. And sometimes you just make a bad decision, as, you know, many people did this weekend, I'm quite sure. Right. I mean, and, it, and I'm, I'm sure Lucas it was included. a multitude of a lot of different things. They didn't run the right precisely uh, held on the ball a little too long, should have thrown it away. So uh, what I do love about it is he's not protecting Tannehill from being scrutinized no different than any other position. Yep. I love it. You gain respect amongst your, you know, your, you know, your players by doing that. He, he made some gaps. He, he shouldn't have done it, you know? So, yeah. And, and hopefully he's, you know, secure and comfortable in his spot where it doesn't affect him at all. And it shouldn't. Uh, he's going to make mistakes, and maybe the defense is better this year. Uh huh. Maybe so. Maybe this is a sign to tell us now that they've had OTAs. Remember last year I said the offense had the advantage with yeah. no OTAs, but now it's back to normalcy. Mm-hmm. The defense is ahead of the offense. So I'm interested to see how much this continues now, you know, with everybody being there this offseason and now in training camp. So it's always uh, fun to watch, though, when – the defense does well. I, I always smile when I hear them talking about the defense too well because, <laughs> you know, practice is all about the superstars and the guys that play offense. That's why I say that. And it's almost like the defense doesn't even exist. I mean, but now we're right. going to see you have to go do some big-time play to actually get noticed and then do it a couple days in a row. And it should ebb and flow throughout training camp where one day the offense or half of a practice, the defense, or, you know, then the offense takes because that's what it should be because they're all competitors. Then they go back and watch the film. They go, oh, oh that's not happening again. They're going to study and they're going to do this to make adjustments on different players to make plays and the same on offense. So I, I like it at this point in time, as long as it doesn't continue as far as for the offense because the offense is supposed to be the strength of this team. Right. they got to continue to put up 30 points. So I would think that they would have more winning days than the defense, but you never know. Lucas, you've got this right. Mike Vrabel asked. So Carson Wentz had surgery today on his foot, and they said the window is five to twelve weeks. And Mike Vrabel was uh, asked about the that that number. A lot of discrepancy there with five to twelve weeks. Well, I know five to twelve. You guys, I like your chances of being right. You guys play them in nine weeks. How much do you kind of keep an eye well, on? Well, that, that falls right in the middle of it, doesn't it? I don't know. I, you know, I mean, they're going to have whatever they're going to do. Um, got a lot of respect for Frank and his football team and that organization. Um, you know, I we'll we'll figure that out when it when it comes. 
uh, whenever that happens. But we got a lot of work to put in, um, you know, before we get there. Five to 12 weeks, uh, the Titans and the Colts play week three of the season. And I know we got a little bit of time left. Blaine, you dealt with the Liz Frank injury. While if you this were, is what he has. If that's what he has, and that's I'm what some sure. are speculating. Mm-hmm. People just hear those words. They don't really know what that means. This is not a pleasant thing to deal with, as you personally know. Yeah, definitely. You know what? It sounds like it is. Is And all I did was step on uh, Torrey Holt's foot in a preseason game oh. my last year with the Titans, and I just tweaked it. So it's almost like a sprain, but I, I tweaked the bone in the middle of my foot. On top of your foot, we all know what that bone is, right? We all can feel it. It's the biggest bone in the middle of your your, your foot. And so I sprained it. So I think, oh, okay, I'm fine. But they said, oh, okay, a couple weeks, you'll be fine. Thinking I just kind of sprained my foot without going to get an MRI or anything. I'm thinking it's nothing. Two weeks go by. I still can't run. I'm going, "Uh uh-oh. Something's not right. And then all of a sudden, I wake up the third day of the second week, and I can run. I'm like, oh, yes, it went away. I go out there and run. Literally, I feel nothing. I feel great. Come back in the next day. I cannot run again. So then they say, go to a foot specialist. We're about to see what's going on. That's not supposed to happen. All right, get there. He goes, you have a Liz Frank injury. You need to not do anything for four weeks. And put it in a boot. And I go, oh, I can't do that. Yeah. The, the season's about to start. I've already missed like a game or two now. The season started. I'm, I've never missed a game at that point in time, uh, like for any length of time. And so he says, okay, well, don't rest and see what happens. I said, well, I feel good. It's going to be great. He said, well, you're going to feel great for a little while, and then you'll come back, and then you'll be down and out for the count. And that's exactly what happened. I practiced for a couple days in a row, felt great. Woke up the next day and went in and couldn't even run. And that's a horrible feeling. So he says either you're going to sit for eight weeks or you're going to get surgery. Titan says, IR, see you don't want to be you last season with the Tennessee Titans. Goodness. Yeah. That's what the Colts are dealing with Carson Wentz. We'll talk about all this tomorrow. Got a Colts reporter coming on. Right now it's time for us to get out of the studio, which we are in because Babs and Ron and Brent are ready to rock and roll on 3HL. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Yeah, and as always, we all know, happy Monday. And what, Mickey? Peace!